how would you describe being a high school senior for people who don't hang out with high schoolers often? It's a lot of people asking you questions to things you don't have answers to. Mm. <laughs> That's good. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Her Voice at the Table podcast. I'm Kate Shank. It's been a while since several of us, including myself, were 17 years old, and it's interesting because as adults and as teachers, writers, and researchers, our group's mission is always to brainstorm, discuss, and reflect ways we are incorporating student well-being into our classrooms, which usually means we as the adults are writing and talking about teaching. But our muses are, of course, our students, and we are always looking for ways to uplift their voices and provide space for them to tell us, as the adults who are trying to care for them, as well as the wider audience of our community, what they are thinking and how they are doing, both academically and socially. We learn a lot from these conversations, and over the next few weeks, we are thrilled to begin a series of shows that feature our intern writers, as well as other high school students that we work with, either being interviewed by us or doing the interviewing. We are loosely calling this series The State of the Union on Adolescent Girls. So first up, today I have the privilege of chatting with Grace, a high school senior who is also one of our interns, who just published a reflection on the blog called People Being People, Dispatches from a High School Senior on Her Journey to Know Herself. Grace writes about how she is learning to understand who she is versus the identity that others perceive in her and how to reconcile the differences between the two. Grace explores how, just like many of us, including the adults in the audience, her curated version of herself expressed through Pinterest boards and the aesthetics of her social media accounts over the years may not always match the person that she is now or the one others see. And while Grace speaks to her experience as a senior, many of us will find this conversation relatable. Welcome to Her Voice at the Table. Hello. I'm so happy to be here with Grace. And thank you for writing for us because, you know, as teachers and people who work with young people and high school students in particular, you know, all of our work at Her Voice at the Table is really about you guys. And you've been working with us at Her Voice at the Table and you are one of our wonderful interns. And it's really special for us to have you in the studio to talk to us about your insights and kind of where you are as a person growing um, into your senior year and thinking about yourself and your identity, which is a topic that we explore a lot in our work um, with um, student well-being. You wrote a post that was very lovely um, about your search for yourself and your identity, mm-hmm. which, as it turns out, may not be exactly the same thing. So first of all, we're going to begin by welcoming you into studio by just asking you, can you tell us a little bit about your reading and writing world right now? How is it going writing for the blog? Um, what are you reading right now? And what's going on in your world? Well, writing for the blog was very exciting. I knew what I wanted to write about since I first heard that we were going to write on the blog, like way back in September, because I have really been focusing on this topic this year. I wrote a paper on it earlier in the year, and so I was really excited to bring it in a new format and see if I could like revamp it, I guess. Um, As for what I'm reading, not currently 
anything super, you know, outside of class. Because in both my English classes right now, we're doing movie units. Mm -hmm. So I'm analyzing Get Out, Midsummer, and then 500 Days of Summer, as in option. Oh, interesting. Wow. Oh, three very yes. different yeah. because movies. for one class, we were assigned Get Out. And then the other class, we were split on whether to do Midsummer or 500 Days of Summer. And Midsummer won by one vote after calling in three people from outside the class. Hmm. So we're supposed to watch 500 Days of Summer as an optional supplement to discuss tomorrow. But I started a book recently. I got it in an Etsy like mystery book hmm. date thing. And it's called Shadow of the Wind. I had never heard of it before. So far, it's pretty slow, but I'll let you know when I get further into it. And what was the third? Just how I'm doing generally? Yeah. Just waiting on college <laughs> so I can hear back <laughs> from them. Um, we're doing one-act auditions next week. So since I'm the producer for that show as well as the director, I'm trying to balance figuring out what I want from the actors and what I'm going to be looking for with also making sure that everyone else is prepared. So, yeah, that's mostly what I'm focusing on right now. Very busy. A very mm -hmm. busy young person we have here in our studio. Okay, so Grace, thank you so much. Um, and regarding your your writing on your identity and just sense of self that you're exploring this year, at the beginning of your post, you wrote about your navigating of yourself versus your identity. So you talk about self as the soul, which was really beautiful, and identify and your identity as kind of the armor that people see when they look at you and mm -hmm. the aspects of you that are perceivable from the outside. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit um, more about this? Yeah, sure. So I came up with this analogy when I was writing a six-page exploratory paper in first semester for my AP Lit class. The idea was to figure out why I was so obsessed in a way with how other people perceive me. And so as I dug into it, I realized that the way that I perceive myself and the way that other people perceive me are fundamentally different because I can see who I am, like who I know I am innately when other people can't. They can only see reflections of it as if we were in, you know, like an amusement park. We were in a hall of mirrors. You can't see me because I'm being hidden with the mirrors. You can only see a distorted version of it. Some of it might be true. Some of it might not be true. Some of it might be based on my actions. But you can't really ever truly know me the way that I know me. Hmm. And I can't know you the way that you know you. Hmm. Because you see things in yourself that other people will never be able to see in the same way. So you might see a flaw and you might think it's the biggest thing in the world. But then when you tell other people about it, they don't understand because they don't see that in you. So they brush it off. But you're like, oh, I know it's there. And the same thing with other important things. Like I see myself as a warm person, but other people might not see that because I might not present as warmly as I think I do mm -hmm. and as much as I perceive myself to be. So I use the analogy of like armor because I couldn't really find a better one. But your armor is the stuff that you get to choose to put on. You get to choose how it looks. You get to choose in a w sometimes you 
let's say you have to wear armor. Let's say you're a knight in battle, you have to wear armor, but you get to choose certain variants, right? You get to choose what colors on it, how rusted it is, et cetera, et cetera. But you don't have control over all of it, and you don't have control over how other how much of yourself other people can see. Except you know you they can't see very much. I'm not sure if that's making sense. No, it does. Brene Brown, uh, we know, has a really awesome analogy and uses similar language when she says we armor up when we put on like our separate self or the person that we're trying to be um, out in the world to please others and to do what other people expect mm-hmm. of us. So I think it's a it's a really nice one because mm-hmm. it also implies some um, protection, some element mm-hmm. of the fact that you're putting this armor on because you're not sure if you can trust others to take care of your true self, your inner self. Does mm-hmm. that ring true to you? Um, mostly. But I also add in the element that even with the people that you're most comfortable with, there's still that layer that they perceive you in a way that's completely different from how you're perceived, like how you perceive yourself. It might be closer to how you perceive yourself, but they'll still see you in a different way, and so will everyone else. And you'll never truly know how you're perceived by other people because it will always be colored by your own lens and the way you view yourself. So really, yes, it's about being out in public and putting on armor because you can't really know if you trust the other people, Mm. but also just because... Even if you do trust the other people, you'll realize that they never quite know you in the same way that you know yourself. And there's no way to control how much someone knows you or what they think of you or how they see you because you can't even control how you see yourself. So on that note, you um, earlier you mentioned it's like when you're in a fun house and you're looking at, you're standing in a mirror and the mirror is distorting the image of you and mm-hmm. someone's with you. And they don't see really you, they just see the image. Mm-hmm. And there's a pretty famous contemporary book that just came out by a writer named Gia Tolentino called Trick Mirror. And she talks about social media and the effect of the distortion of mm-hmm. our persona we put on online um, that is like a mirror. It's like a trick mirror. So it's really cool that you just said that. I want to bring in and bridge this over to when you started talking about the curation of the persona or the outside image that others see of you. And you mentioned, first off, like the idea of the Pinterest board that you curate of how you see yourself versus the Instagram boards that people make or the Instagram pages, the accounts, the Snapchat, the be real, it's curated. So Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about the pressure or the tension within you as an 18 year old to um, project, to curate that image and what that does in terms of how you see yourself versus how others are gonna see you? Sure, Um, so I'll take it back a little bit to freshman year me, where I knew six people out of 900. So I was like, this is my chance to start fresh because I didn't like the way I was perceived in middle school, in elementary school. And I didn't like the way that I was treated because of the way I was perceived. So I said, this is my chance to start fresh and to change my image, to like curate it, essentially. And this was before I had any kind of social media. But I tried to do it in real life by, you know, avoiding certain topics and only talking about certain things when I was with people. And I tried to curate my life in person, which is as difficult as it sounds, uh, because you can't be perfect all the time. And if you're 14, going on 15, 
in a completely new environment, your identity is changing and your sense of self is changing in ways that you don't even perceive sometimes. So you can't curate how you interact with 800 new people on a daily basis. But skip forward to junior, senior year. I finally, I've gotten all the social media I could want. I have learned how to take pictures. I've gotten a good group of friends so that I can take group photos whenever I want. I finally am comfortable with the way I look and I've kind of grown into my body so I don't feel as awkward anymore. And I've gotten a much larger circle of friends that I had the past two years. Mm -hmm. So I start to show all of this off and people tell me, oh, your Instagram is so aesthetic. Oh, et cetera, et cetera. Like, oh, your outfit's so cute. And I love like the way your life looks. And well, that was that one was exaggeration, but it was (laughs) the other two people have told me plenty of times and it kind of like got to me and it was I need to have this curated image at least in public so that I can keep getting these compliments you know it wasn't like a oh if I don't have it I failed but it was oh if I don't have it then I don't get these things that I like these compliments Hmm. these people noticing me because I'm a theater kid we all love attention (laughs) Um, you're not alone I think that's most humans right now in the modern Mm -hmm. era Yeah. yeah everyone loves attention I I love attention in that way. So I would curate things and I would really focus on like, oh, what kind of outfit should I wear? How should I sculpt my closet? And I kind of was like picking out aesthetics that I really liked. And then I saw this discourse coming out online over, I think it was last summer, about how the trending and like popularization of curated aesthetics is actually messing with teenager self-expression. Because a lot of people, when they're 14, 15, they'll go on TikTok, they'll see, oh, this is what all of these TikTokers that I follow have. They have the vines on their walls, and they have records, and they wear indie clothes, and they have these big eyeliners that they do. So then everyone starts doing all those things, and then they hold on to it, even when part of them has outgrown it, because they think that they need to have this curated aesthetic that, or else they won't fit in even though no one's life really looks like that in real life. And TikTok is curated. Like, you might see a portion of someone's room that looks perfect, but the other side of the camera is a mess. And you wouldn't know, obviously, because you only get one angle into this room. So it's a weird parasocial thing, um, which is, you know, really interesting to watch unfold. And I've never been one to especially go with trends because I just... I don't know. I have a distrust of trends that don't last very long. And as TikTok and Instagram Reels and YouTube Shorts, all this fast media is getting pushed down our throats. Trend cycles are getting shorter and shorter. So it's like even less trustworthy than it was, you know, in the 80s and 90s when trends would last for months or years. But um, let's talk about the 80s and 90s. I do have some questions, people. Yeah. Hello, Caitlin, coming in with the historical angle here. Because a lot of the things that you're saying are really, I'm they're like striking things in my brain. Like when you talked about curating your life in person, mm-hmm. I don't think me as a teenager would have ever put it in those terms. Hmm. But that doesn't mean that we weren't doing it. We were yeah. just doing it without social media. So I'm also wondering like how novel this kind of culture of con- teenage conformity is mm-hmm. that we're talking about. Um, and what else? And I, I'm related to that. Do you think 
social media provides more of an opportunity to like change people's views of you than perhaps Kate and I had in the past when we didn't have like a social media thing to curate where the only way people would know about us is like who do we hang out with and what were we wearing and I don't know. That's a really interesting question. Yeah. Yeah. Because especially for people like the people that I take pictures with are the people I see in real life and the people I talk to in real life. Mm -hmm. But people who, you know, go to concerts, go to festivals, go to big parties, they can take pictures with people and then post them and then they're known for knowing this person even though they might not really know them. Or they might be known for liking this person when they wouldn't have been known for liking a certain person. Or I think, I don't know, I think social media might help grow your reputation in a negative way because if you're known for, you know, sending out any kind of pictures or for snapping people constantly or for going from girl to girl and people can see like what girls you show up on and what girls you go away from on their social media pages Mm. like that can become harmful to your reputation without you even realizing it without you directly saying anything and without any of these people knowing you like my sister was telling me today uh, she's a junior that there was this one junior that is known for dating this one girl at this other school that's not our school. And they broke up last semester. Normal thing for teenagers to do. Plenty of people break up. My sister said that within 10 minutes of one person telling another person, the entire grade knew that this couple had broken up. Hmm. Which, it might be an exaggeration. Another thing that strikes me when you say that is that when I was in high school in the 90s, when we went home after school at the end of the day, I didn't see people. Like, I didn't see my classmates. I wasn't I wasn't thinking about everyone all the time because I didn't they're not they weren't in front of me. Whereas you guys leave school and you go home and you pick up your phone and the people are on your phone. So you have such a deeper understanding of people's aesthetic Mm -hmm. and people's um, vibe than Mm -hmm. we ever did because I might not really know a lot of my classmates. I might be like, I have no idea what she's into. I've never actually seen her out in the real world in an outfit. Like we haven't gone to the mall together, so I don't know what she wears. (laughs) Whereas you guys are always in the gaze of the camera, you know, and others and, and others, you know, other, your friends and your classmates can always see what you're doing. So I think it's just, it's not that it necessarily has changed, like Caitlin was saying. Mm-hmm. Like, we still curated our looks and our outfits, and there were still trends and everything, but we we didn't have the intensity mm-hmm. of it or the pressure. It didn't mm-hmm. feel like a pressure cooker of yeah. constantly being in the gaze of our classmates. Yeah, and I mean, it is changing the way that we dress and things like that because there are outfits nowadays that people only buy for pictures, that they only, you know... They'll take pictures in an outfit and then they'll never wear it again. You know, there's the whole thing like you never wear an outfit more than once. It's you never post an outfit more than once. At least that's what I've heard. Now, I try not to follow that rule because I wear the same outfits pretty much. I have like five outfits that I'll wear for Me too, an entire summer. Ditto. Um, <laughs> but I do like follow track to that. I'm like, oh, if I'm going to post on vacation or something, I'll wear the same outfit like for all three of these vacation posts. And then I won't wear this outfit again in a post until like next year. And maybe that's just me overthinking it. But I know that several people think this way. So I wonder, is this idea of curating an aesthetic, does it feel like a trap? Or does it feel like an opportunity since you have all these options? It depends on how you look at it. At first, it feels like an opportunity. What about you right now? Mm. (laughs) I don't know. I've kind of outgrown the idea of curating an aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Like, 
at least or following a curated aesthetic. How about that? Okay. Because I know that when I was younger and I was looking into it, I was like, oh, I could be cottagecore. Oh, I could be, you know, <laughs> coquette. Woo, woo. Yeah. Cottagecore. And then I would look you into it. You heard it here, it, folks. And I would... I would see like, oh, I have to have all of these things to be cottagecore. And I was like, I don't have the money for that. Mm-hmm. So I can't be that aesthetic. And so I can't have an aesthetic. And it was like stressful not having an aesthetic. But also I really wanted to just have that full wardrobe and fit in. And then I got a couple of cottagecore pieces and then I went out in the world. I'm like, no one wears clothes like these. <laughs> no one wears clothes like this my age. Anyway. Um, You're sweet, Grace. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, what do I do? You know, a full curated aesthetic look won't feel right if I'm only wearing, you know, it was a, it was a battle in my mind. Right. And then I realized that um, I just needed to be more comfortable in myself and in my own clothes and what I liked. And that would end up, you know, it would create a closet that I enjoyed wearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Grace, you talk about you kind of make a shift when you write and you talk about going from this this back and forth in your mind, wondering about who you are versus how others perceive you. And then at the very end, you have this wonderful reflection of a moment when you were acting in the recent musical and you were in Newsies. Mm-hmm. And you said, you know what, I'm just going to pause and I'm just going to observe. I'm going to watch people just being people and just interacting with each other or taking a break or just doing what they do. And it seemed like that was sort of a relief to you in a way that you were able to step away from all of the the curation, the distortion of the social media lens, like feeling the pressure to look a certain way or be a certain way or even wonder if others are perceiving you that way. Um, where do you create other spaces that you're able to do that? It's not necessarily a thing just from being on the stage. It's more of a m- mental shift. It's... It's almost like switching from first person to third person, if that makes sense. So I was focused on what do I need to do next? What about this? What can I do to help this person? Then I was took a deep breath. And I looked up. And I just looked at the people around me. And it happened to be at the stage. But sometimes I'll do it in class. Sometimes I'll do it when I'm hanging out with my friends and they're engaged in something. And I'll just look at them. And... It's subconscious, but I get such an immediate feeling of relief and calm and joy from looking at these people around me, completely oblivious to their surroundings, just in doing whatever's in front of them and enjoying it or not enjoying it and just being lost in their own minds. And it feels like I'm getting to see something special, even though I know that people have been being people (laughs) since the beginning of time and that they've been doing these things my entire life and before my life, and they will after my life. But when I get to look up and I see them and I just take in the little moments that make them human, it helps me remember why we're here, and that's not to post on Instagram Mm. or worry about how I'm perceived in English class or anything like that. It's just to interact with one another and help one another and be joyful and enjoy the life while we have it. So that's my takeaway from all of this. And it was kind of like, oh, I don't need to worry about controlling 
how I'm viewed by other people because in the end we're all just people anyway and that's cliche but it was no it's it's not cliche it's good and I think adults really struggle um with that this is not just you and this is a journey you might be on Mm -hmm. um do you find yourself like you're having this beautiful realization that's very mature and wonderful right now um what do you see going off to college will be your struggles Mm. I think it'll be It'll be the same struggle that I had coming into high school. I'll be like, "Ooh, fresh start. I gotta, mm-hmm. I've gotta introduce introduce these people to the curated version of me," and it will take a while for those barriers to break down. Possibly because I'm a perfectionist, possibly because I'm a control freak, possibly because I'm an anxiety ridden person. But I like to be secure in how I'm perceived by other people. But I'll never really be secure in that. None of us will because there are things outside of our control that influence how we're seen in the public sphere, in the private sphere, in anyone's eyesight, really. <laughs> so, like the mirror, like the funhouse. Yeah. Like the mirrors, the distorted mirrors. So there's nothing really we can do. So I'm just going to try to remember that and not to freak out when I make like a social faux pas or do something like that, do something that younger me would have you know, thought about endlessly for. Mm. Like, oh, that's so embarrassing. Why'd I do that? I'm just going to remember that everyone makes mistakes. Everyone has those days. Um, And that if I made a mistake, everyone else is probably too worried about their own mistakes to realize mine. True that. I think my hope for you in your college journey is that you take your really own beautiful advice that you just gave, right? Mm. Forget about curating and just be. Yeah. Like, a very zen yeah. little, but like healthy way to live, you know? Because we can't control what anyone else thinks or does. Yeah. And if you're going to use social media, just make it, use it in a way that's meaningful to you. Yeah. Not, mm-hmm. you know, what you think is. Yeah. And if, if curating an aesthetic is, then that's great. But maybe mm-hmm. it's also just posting family pics or whatever it is. Yeah. Some, yeah. some way that's fun for you. I've still used Instagram a whole lot, but I don't have, like, I don't stress about it the way I used to. I just, if I go somewhere fun and I'm wearing a cute outfit, and my hair looks washed, then, you know, I'll take some photos. And if I like them, then I'll be like, oh, look. Look at the thing I did. And that's it. Like, it's nothing, doesn't need to be something super deep. Do you share this knowledge with your younger siblings? Um, I've tried. (laughs) (laughs) They never listen. Because I'm wondering, like, wow, Grace needs to read this to my freshmen and my sophomores, you know? Well, my freshman sister doesn't have social media. But also, she's the most aesthetic out of yeah, all of us, yeah. you know, she's the it's one because who, she has older siblings to look up to and figure out how to be yeah, cool. Yeah, you guys That's are influencers. My little sister is yeah. the hippest of us all because I like to think I was a really good model. You were. You, know? you still are. <laughs> no, I was a total nerd. But <laughs> AKA good model. Yeah, the freshman sister, she knows what she's doing. Whenever she wants to have a new, you know, aesthetic, she just tears down everything on her walls and prints out more pictures and puts them up. Like she doesn't have the the struggle with it that I do, I'm a very like, I'll just wait. I'll just wait a couple more weeks. I'll, yeah. wait, I'll wait another year. That's fine. Um, and then my junior sister, she's figuring it out. She's it's getting incredible. Um, it's incredible. Uh, an incredible weight you guys carry on the journey to self-knowledge, you know, at your age. It's, I can't imagine. I wonder how I would have even begun to deal with that extra pressure to not only be in a room, but also have a, 
a persona on the internet. Persona on the internet. That you have to like think about yeah. all the time. Well, Grace, I think this has been fantastic, and we are really grateful for you to let us hear behind the curtain of your experiences on all yeah. these different platforms and just your journey to to think through these ideas. I mean, it's incredible that at your age you're already you know so self aware and you are already trying to take stock of the effect that social media and these different apps have on you and just also um, that journey. And we're just really grateful for you. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah, I'm grateful to be here. Yay! (laughs) Our co-hosts are Megan Griffin, Kate Shank, and Jessica Bailey. Our producer is Caitlin Matthew. For more information about us, check out the blog, Her Voice at the Table. You can find the link in our show notes. And when people ask, I know they don't really have anything else to talk to us about because we're high schoolers, seniors, and so like that's the one thing they know is that we're going to college, but mm-hmm. it is very stressful. Okay, so. pro tip, don't ask a high school senior <laughs> where they're going to college. I just was sitting here thinking, have I asked anyone today where they're going to college? <laughs>